Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenue-driven-cmo.com slash free fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it literally zero downside unlimited potential for growth so do yourself a favor revenue driven cmo.com slash free no hyphens no punctuations you will be happy about that decision there are secrets out there guys performance marketing secrets and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels let's go This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs and marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. I'm really, really excited about today's guest. Uh, and what she's going to be speaking about. She's an innovative and dynamic marketing leader. In 2020, she was named the Global CMO of the Year by Dropbox, recognized as one of the 50 female CMOs who rock marketing by Top Rank Marketing. She is an executive advisory board member for G2. She uh, cut her teeth originally in her career at MicroStrategy. Then she spent some time at IBM Uh, as well as SAP, Uh, and then finally at Dropbox, where she was able to add 20% ARR while spending 20% less, believe it or not. Uh, So that's my kind of marketer. I'm super duper excited to be speaking with her. Today, she's CMO of Amplitude, uh, a product that helps other teams unlock the power of their products. So I'm excited to learn more about that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Tiffin Dano Kwan. Chris, I am really delighted to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm super uh, excited to be speaking with you. I think your topic is uh, fascinating and new, uh, and nobody else is talking about it, but I think they will be probably after this. So why don't you let everybody in on it? Like you're obviously a very accomplished marketer. What is one of your uh, best kept secrets to producing the results that you do? You know, Chris, so first of all, um, as you mentioned, I spent a lot of time uh, in big companies, IBM, SAP, and Dropbox. But I had an aha moment when I joined Dropbox. And that aha moment was me discovering product-led growth, or others said, PLG. And that became a life-changing moment for me from a career standpoint, because this is where I felt I grew the most as a revenue-driven marketer Mm -hmm. and leader. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So tell us a little bit about that, like... 
So you're coming from, I guess, you know, bigger companies. I'm curious, like what had you experienced sort of in those larger companies, if you could summarize, and then what was it like at Dropbox? So when you, when you work in very large traditional, I would say tech companies like SAP, I think that their, uh, their experience, their legacy is very much rooted in the enterprise um, sector and their expectation of marketing is to be really much, very much the brand engine of the company. And especially at SAP, SAP was very known, has been known for years for their breakthrough in terms of branding, positioning, um, quality events. They have annual conferences that are world-class, very well-known. Yeah. And you learn as a marketer to operate in that world-class brand-heavy a brand-focused environment. Yeah. And th- this has been absolutely extraordinary to, to be there. I owe a lot to SAP personally uh, for making my career, for teaching me a lot. What I have discovered when I joined Dropbox is the power of data-driven marketing. And when you have a self-service model, which is the case of Dropbox and offers plans online, uh, for personal or business uh, purpose, you learn a completely new muscle as a marketer. Yeah. And you are accountable for revenue, which is a very, very big um, evolution. Uh, and that was a very big departure for me uh, from, from SAP, where marketing is considered a support, an influencer of uh, the sales team, they hold themselves accountable to, of course, some sourcing elements to the pipeline and, and the bookings, uh, but largely also the inference towards pipeline and bookings, yeah. which is a natural, traditional enterprise play. When you mm-hmm. move to product-led growth and a self-service model, it all happens online in a self-serve way. And, and you start looking at your marketing impacts all of your programs in a very, very different way. You have to be extremely digital driven. You have to be numbers driven. You have to really think through every single element of your plan to deliver and generate impact. And you have to do it across multiple dimensions, including, of course, product. 100%. Yeah. And as as you're talking, I'm thinking about it almost... Uh, as the difference in a way between B2B uh, and e-com. So I run an agency, right? We work with many different clients. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them are like lead, lead gen focused or uh, B2Bs, but we have some e-com clients. And when you're operating in an e-com environment, it's like you uh, launch a campaign and then you start seeing revenue, right? It's like almost no lag between when you launch that campaign and when the revenue starts coming in. Is that, I mean, it's, is that kind of akin to product led growth in a way where like, like you, you just get the benefit of that feedback loop so much faster than say an SAP where it's like a nine month selling cycle. That's right. And it's what we call the flying, the flywheel effect, not flying, yep. but flywheel effect of, of PLG and product led growth, which is extremely, extremely exciting. And you start really touching in a way, in a more palpable way, uh, that revenue that you, you monitor 
pretty much on an instant basis. And uh, after uh, Dropbox, I continued uh, my journey. And recently, about a year and a half ago, I decided to join Amplitude uh, for, for two reasons. First of all, I felt that their analytics platform was going to be a game changer for the industry because it precisely provides product-led growth teams um, the, the power uh, of harnessing behavioral data, customer behavioral data, and turn it into growth and, and revenue. Yeah. And I had a chance to just re-embrace that PLG mindset and launch it also uh, for Amplitude. So now we have a new offering. We launched it in October, and it is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary feeling to, to get in touch with uh, the revenue again in a palpable and very direct way. That's awesome. So yeah, there's. I want to talk about uh, Amplitude. I want to talk about your very unique and interesting uh, take on PLG for maybe not so much uh, product companies technically. But before we go there, I'd love to learn, uh, like in your experience at Dropbox and at Amplitude so far, where you were really getting a master's degree in PLG. For all PLG marketers listening right now, like, can you think of any lessons that you learned at Dropbox that were unique or extraordinary or things that like, you don't necessarily read in, in any blog posts that you might stumble into regarding PLG? What I discovered that was part of the, the power of PLG is the magic ratio called LTV to CAC. Lifetime mm-hmm. value divided by cost of acquisition, which, which to me was also very transformational because you start looking at the entire marketing engine from that lens and you start really uh, assessing the efficiency of your channels, efficiency of your campaigns from that lens, which is very close to the language of product teams as well, right? Mm-hmm. That's really something that was, in my view, um, game-changing. And it allows you to, to, to manage your marketing budget, your marketing programs in a completely different way. It's very performance-driven, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's a very uh, quite simple binary element. Is the ratio profitable for you or not? And yeah. it actually changes your perspective right, on the role of marketing. Whereas if you are purely working for an enterprise-driven company where you are an influencer to pipeline and revenue, you don't you don't feel necessarily that that tension, that pressure between revenue growth and 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 those ratios. But when you are working on PLG, it's every day. Every day you're gonna check all of uh, the performance of your channels. You're yeah. gonna have to just really apply that discipline, and it's very dynamic. The reason it's every day is because the online business happens in the moment, so you have to constantly think about that, um, you know, uh, on, on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. Yeah. So whereas in a non-PLG environment, you might launch a campaign and be like, this is great. We spent a thousand bucks and got a hundred leads. Like, let's add budget there. In a PLG-led uh, environment, you might launch that very same campaign, but not really get excited about it or unexcited about it until the point where the 14-day free trial is over and you see like what percentage of those leads you were able to convert to paying customers? 
Yeah, but don't get me wrong. This LTV to CAC ratio has to apply to every single motion that you have. So you, you have to be able to really look into it in, in its entirety. I think that what's exciting about PLG is the speed at which you operate. You have to constantly optimize your channels, your programs, your performance. You have to do it in the product. You have to do it outside of the product. You need to have those elements extremely well sequenced. But if you run an LTV to CAC model also for the more high-touch um, segments, high-touch programs, you're going to have that same mindset. You're going to have to start thinking about efficiency long-term, uh, value of your, your customer, and it's going to help you really rationalize uh, the way you invest and the way you think about your tactics and your programs uh, very differently. But it is true that there are some significant differences between a sales-led motion and programmatic strategy from a marketing standpoint than there is with PLG. But I would say that a lot of companies now are starting to really think about how they digitize their business. And when they do so, they're starting to think about how they digitize their product. And when you start thinking about a digital product, you have to start to apply some of the principles of a product-led growth strategy. So that's what's really exciting to me. And we're starting to see it happen because Admittedly, PLG has existed for a long time. A lot of the e-commerce companies have used the concepts of product-led growth quite a, a long time, especially in the media, but also in, in um, uh, retail, online retail and, and others. There's been an explosion of these. But think about traditional companies. I'm going to give you a real example. Okay. Think about how traditional companies are now starting to embrace product as a as a source of revenue for them and how they're starting to really create a, a varied mix of products, either physical products or digital products. The example I have is regarding the brand Fender. We know Fender as being a guitar company. It's very well known. Um, they deliver exceptionally amazing products. Who doesn't know Fender? Everybody does know. But who knows, for example, that Fender has created an app called Fender Play, which off offers actually bite-sized lessons for beginner and intermediate guitar players. Mm -hmm. So is this Fender Play a digital product? A hundred percent it is. Because what they do when they actually um, uh, offer this online app, it helps them actually inference the real purchase of their real physical product, which is a guitar. Their, um, their, their assumption and their uh, hypothesis when they started creating this digital model was if we teach people to play and to learn and play the guitar, they'll want to come back for more. They'll be interested. They will advocate for the brand and they will get hooked into it. And then over time, they're going to improve and, and hopefully buy more. So there was a direct correlation between that digital product, which is an online tutorial app, and the actual physical product, which is a guitar. And they can have both. So imagine the, the, the business opportunity for Fender. And this is just one example. But many can happen also in the, the, the quick service restaurants we see in. We're working with great brands like Chick-fil-A. Same, same logic here. 
physical product to sell, but digital product that supports their physical product uh, strategy, and so forth and so on. We work with a lot of retail brands who are also starting to diversify their digital strategy and experience, Walmart being one of our key customers, and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Media companies are doing it, of course. So what's exciting about this is that product, the digital product, is at the core of the transformation of companies. Yeah. And those companies are starting to think along the lines of the way I've explained how marketing is starting to think about its own mission, its own role, and the way they really help influence, support, or directly run growth and revenue for companies. Yeah. No, I love it. And I got so excited about this concept during our prep call. So in the case of Fender, right, their ultimate goal, say, is to sell a guitar. They're approaching that through the learning route, right? They're saying, hey, whether you buy our guitars or not, we can help teach you uh, that. If we turn it over and look at a professional services company, um, a consulting firm, or even a more sales-led SaaS that you know has has a, doesn't have a free trial. Say they can't do a free trial for whatever reason, and it's demo-led. How can companies like that pull a fender? Like, is it always uh, an education-first approach? The way well, that the, Fender did. The, the, the Fender one, the application that they created was very oriented towards education because. I think they, there is a direct link between learning and playing. So I think right. this was really well. But I'll give you some other examples. Some, some um, I would say, traditional restaurants brand, for example, or even retail brands, we want to create a loyalty app, for example, online. People live online. They want to offer um, you the ability to collect points, to order or pre-order online, build your yeah. loyalty profile, but you still buy in-store, right? Yeah. So you have to actually understand how the digital experience that you want to create complements your in-store experience uh, so, so that it can take many, many forms. It can take the forms of loyalty programs, uh, learning programs. Uh, there's many, many applications that... You can have, and, and there's so many other examples um, that, that you can get. You have, for example, airlines now that are starting to have online retail shops, online Delta Airlines is just launching this. So you're starting to see them diversify their sources of business. Yeah. And the best way to characterize it is for a long time, um, traditional companies saw a digital product as a channel, a digital surface, an app as a channel, whereas I would say more the more digital native companies who were born as an e-commerce company see their digital product as their business, right? Mm -hmm. Traditional companies, now we're starting to see them shift from considering that product, that digital product, more and more as a source of business. It doesn't mean that they're going to shift completely their, their business model to go uh, 100% online, it means that they're going to start learning how to really consider the digital product offering that they have, whether it be an education portal, uh, a loyalty portal, and many other use cases available as yeah. a source, as a tangible source 
of revenue for them, which could be complementary to their original source of revenue. Yeah. And I think for a lot of professional services companies, like a lot of knowledge workers, so to speak, I think educational portal could be uh, a good play. Also like a Slack channel, something like a Slack channel, like say that you're an accounting firm, right? For every hundred people that visit your website, maybe 10 of them are good prospects for you right now. The other the others might be too small or what have you. And so they might not be able to afford your full prices right at this moment. But what about like give them access to a Slack channel where they can come and ask questions that get an- answered by experts, you know, with some SLA, like give a whatever it is, 24 to 48 hours, like you'll get a customized answer back. Would yeah. that be an example? So Slack channel is usually more of communication method that you can use. And it's actually uh, Slack channel is a formidable community channel that you can you can leverage with the audiences that, that you want to um, continue to nurture, to educate, to connect with each other, to, to get them on board, to help them share best practices. This is, this is the way I think a Slack channel can be. It can be also a conduit of communication, a conduit for you to promote uh, you know, some offerings with um, you know, an audience that has been connected one way or another with you, you are invited to a Slack channel as part of a community or a user group. You are definitely part of what I call a conversation. Mm-hmm. The Slack channel is almost like a community mechanism that gathers people who are interested into a common uh, topic and want to learn more. And you can use this as a, a channel of communication to just really help uh, promote what you would do if you if you were to have, I would say, um, an online offering, you would send them a link directly to uh, your your e-commerce platform, the app where you want to um, get them uh, some some very specific digital offerings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'm uh, I'm on HubSpot. I'm reading uh, product led growth versus sales led growth. So, and th- I'm thinking about this in the context of that professional service firm or that, you know, sales-led SaaS. It says a smooth, seamless onboarding process. These are like the key elements of PLG. Mm-hmm. Smooth, seamless onboarding process, right? So short selling cycles, self-service, end user independence when trying the product, user-friendly interfaces, websites, and touch points, mm-hmm. freemium and free trial services, potential for virality mm-hmm. and a market-leading product. That is absolutely right. I think what you were mentioning here, in my view, is the user experience in general, right? From the moment they learn about your offering, which can be uh, done through Slack channels, emails, uh, some, some level of social media, some paid advertising, they, they get to learn about your product, all the way from testing and trying your 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 digital offer, which is what you're mentioning, trials, all the way to signing up for it. And you could do uh, a, a free for X amount of days until you actually commit to a paid plan, mm-hmm. all the way from signing up and basically experiencing the first steps of onboarding, which are absolutely critical. This is where you can start seeing some drop-offs happening. So those elements and the experience that you have, which needs to be 
self-service, autonomous, incredibly easy and, and exciting, prompted and guided as much as you can is really, really critical. But the experience extends beyond that. Of course, a lot of uh, teams and especially the growth teams, whether it's growth product teams and marketing teams, do absolutely everything they can to retain, engage, nurture the, the customer within the product experience that they have or outside of the product experience across the many surfaces, the many levels of engagement that they have. So in short, when you start thinking about product-led growth, this is a mindset. The whole company needs to think about it as a way to really drive engagement, loyalty sometime, create some virality, but it's all about the customer. So you start thinking about the customer very deeply, you put them at the center of the equation, and you do absolutely everything you can to retain them, make them want to come back, ask for more, and, and, and more importantly, be very satisfied about their experience and, and the net value that you are offering. Yeah, 100%. So it very much bleeds into CX and customer experience. It very much bleeds into acquisition and e-commerce. Isn't it funny? Just like things are, are just blending so much. But I love this. So my, my key takeaways are, hey, look, PLG is a mindset, right? If you're already running a PLG motion, or even if not, uh, focus, focus like a laser on that LTV to CAC ratio, um, which, and you know, I think that's relevant really for all marketers. And I'm, I'm not sure it's easier said than done, right? Because the, the data is difficult to, to wrangle in many cases. That's right. Uh, but, you know, I bet you that we're going to start seeing more and more not, uh, not obviously product companies like start launching digital products. I'm talking about accounting, you know, accounting firms, consulting firms. You're already seeing it in SaaS, you know, like there's, there's a, a lot of uh, SaaS companies that are traditionally sales led are moving quickly to launch, you know, freemium or kind of product led motions. So this, and it just makes so much sense. So I 100% believe that, uh, you know, this, this isn't just a fad. This is like a trend that is going to be pretty persistent. I will, I will tell you what's going to happen also, and we're starting to see it very prominently is, and especially for the marketers who are listening, you know, for as long as I can remember, marketing's primary objective was acquisition. Yeah. Really driving pipelines, supporting the sales motions, driving brand awareness, you know, all those kind of things. And, and they're not going away, don't get me wrong, but I do think that we have over-indexed uh, for a long, long time on, on that focus and, and, and that part of the customer journey for good reasons, of course. But now that companies are asked to be much more profitable in the sense that uh, you, you're starting to see a, a pretty significant shift, especially after COVID and in recent months where Wall Street is expecting companies to really operate profitably. Uh, mm -hmm. With with a set of ratios where you've seen also, um, you know, a readjustment of the market and the expectations towards better profitability, the retention of customer is becoming a very important topic. Uh, yeah. Churn, especially in in many sectors, has been at a whole all time high, especially in the past couple of months. 
I'm sure that yeah. many of my colleagues and peers in the market will listening are all facing that pressure right now. Customer yeah. churn is hard. What it does, uh, say, due to a marketing strategy is to rebalance the investments between acquisition, monetization, and retention. Yeah. And just ensuring that now marketing is starting to really think very deeply about their role into the retention uh, strategy and, and, and how they can adjust their focus to, to really take part of that uh, journey. Yeah. Because now I do think that it's not just being on the hook for a new bookings or new ARR number, it's on the hook for a net ARR number, which means that every company has to have churn under control. And that very topic of retention is at the center of product-led growth. Because if you think about it, you do a lot of efforts, of course, to attract, acquire new users. You have them in the product, but your role from this point forward is to keep them in the product and retain them, engage them, monetize them as much as you can. That is the power of retention. And over time, when you do it, your lifetime value divided by CAG gets better. Your ratio increases. That's what you want. So you're starting to think more about customer experience, customer retention, in order to really balance that net ARR objective. And bonus, all the insights that you can get out of the work you're doing to retain your customers to provide a better experience can inform your acquisition strategy. 100%. Yeah, so it's really a, a very much more organic way to look at it. That's right. I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for that. That was um, an incredible overview. You've inspired me. You've given me a bunch of ideas. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, work with our team here at Web Mechanics to launch some kind of a PLG motion here. You're going to sign see us a, up when you you're do. You're going to see a services company topic. launch a PLG, and then we'll be your, we'll be the next Amplitude uh, customer. <laughs> um. But let's talk about Amplitude for a little while here. Um, well, first off, for people that may not be familiar with it, could you just tell us a little bit about it? We help every builder in the world build great experiences. You want to build a product, obviously. You want to build a campaign, a digital experience. Come and talk to us because that's what we do for a living. The power of customer Analytics, product analytics, data, when harnessed the right way, can give you the key on how to drive growth for your company. And that's what we do every day. We do it with Fender. We do it with more. We actually do it across more than 2,000 customers right now. And yeah. it's been just an exciting journey. We've launched recently, um, over the past couple of months, what we call the AHA campaign. Mm -hmm. Believe me, it was the first thing that happened to me when I started to look at the product uh, myself at Amplitude. I had this moment when I literally said, ha ha, I get it now. You have, you find the insight that makes you understand why a user behaves a certain way online. Mm -hmm. Once you know this, once you have the answer, you can calibrate everything. You can calibrate the features that you need to build, the campaigns that you need to run, because you know exactly what drives the behavior of your users. 
And that is what Amplitude does. We create that digital analytics platform that is sitting on a customer behavioral graph that harnesses all of the user insights that you can have, turn that into action. Mm, brilliant. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And you guys have some major clients, Chick-fil-A, OkCupid, Walmart, uh, Under Armour, DoorDash. This is like half of the Fortune 500 over here. We um, do, and we do it across every region, every industry and vertical. We're very excited to do it. And as we discussed, we do it also with very digital native companies, but also with traditional companies. So that's really exciting to see this transformation happening, uh, you know, right, right with us as we, um, as we discuss the, the company's future, their philosophy, their vision for the future. And what we want to do is to make sure that those analytics the way they're thinking about their products is, is really improving over time. In fact, if you add AI, the power of AI to it, hopefully there'll be a, a moment that is our vision at least where it will become self-improving, self-healing, self-improving experiences, self-improving products where mm. the technology adapts to you, not the other way around. Brilliant. Yeah, so I'm on your website right now so I can see analytics, of which you just talked about, experiment. So it sounds like you can plan and even launch experiments uh, from within the platform and CDP. So it's, it's ingesting all this data from all these different sources and then allowing you to splice, dice, activate that data however you like. And access and integrate the data from any source. You can do it very natively out of your own data warehouse, so you can do it with, uh, you know, uh, Amplitude solution. But you're right. The core of it, what we need, the fuel to actually harness insights is data. So wow. that's, that's the one where we're putting also a lot of effort in providing great governance, uh, the security levels that are expected, especially in traditional enterprises where Governance data security is, is extremely key. It's key for every company, but that's especially important for large enterprises. So we're working there. And then you, you find your way up. You have the, the data CDP components. We, you have the core insights and analytics that, that you need for your company. And then you start deploying those insights and analytics into real action, whether it be an um, experimentation. You can do uh, A-B testing. Um, we are launching in a few days session replay where you can literally replay the session of your user online, which is extremely exciting too. And that's, oh, that's awesome. how you can adjust the actions you're taking as a product leader, as a marketer, because we can seamlessly integrate with a lot of action-driven applications. Think Brace, Marketo, and, and others who are really, really easy to, to plug in and integrate so that those insights can help you just decide on the next level of action. That's awesome. So uh, I love win stories. Uh, I know you've been there uh, just over a year. So don't let me put you on the spot, but have you guys, uh, has you and the uh, marketing team, have you been able to produce any big wins yet or any campaigns that you're super proud of? Or like, uh, like what are you most proud of from your time there so far? By far, 
the biggest accomplishment achievement for the team is the launch of our self-serve PLG offering, which we did gradually over the, the past couple of months, but culminating with our plus launch. Um, we, if you go to our pricing page, you will see different types of plan. One is called plus swipe up a credit card now to be able to access, uh, you know, amplitude, um, platform, affordable, um, price point, and then allows companies to just test, learn, grow, mature in their usage of analytics. That was a team effort, uh, across so many different, uh, functional uh, you work streams, as you can imagine, into a team between product teams, finance team, go-to-market teams, marketing teams. It was an extraordinary accomplishment for the team. I'm very proud of, of the team for, for doing this. And it, it is a, a new chapter for Amplitude, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I see that. It looks super clean on the site. Uh, and I didn't realize how affordable it was. 49 bucks a month. I mean, that's affordable for you know even the even the scrappiest of startups well we want to make sure to give every company a chance to unlock growth and that's a starting point that's brilliant yeah and i i actually did i went through the the free trial uh and the onboarding experience and that also was was very clean i was impressed with it i was impressed how uh how it was like choose your business type and then based on that business type it nominated some some events and or like conversions to start tracking i was like pretty intuitive i like that <laughs> well i'm really glad uh you had that experience and then hopefully you'll get your own aha moment uh you know uh, as you as you continue to go into the product experience yeah i love it um and i'm 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 struck, taken aback by like your your client list here. It's like some really big names. What's really driving your revenue engine right now? Is it is it the product led motion or like how did you get all these clients? So initially? you know, I wish I wish we could say after three months launching our product led uh, you right. know uh, motion. It's the one of the fastest growing. That is for sure. Uh, it, it's taken us also by surprise how fast. Uh, this product land motion is growing and uh, we have very promising signals uh, that this is what the market wants and we're very, very excited about it. We have also a very strong enterprise engine, enterprise offering, and 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 we want to make sure that the largest companies among what we call the more traditional companies really embark on that vision and that journey of transforming themselves and adopting digital products. We believe in it so strongly, so strongly that we're making that bet also to, to be a longtime partners to large enterprises because we know it's not an if, it's a when. We know many of them are going to make um, that level of investment and they want support. They want to understand uh, those dynamics, they 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 want us to be with them on that journey, and that is very exciting. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense, and uh, and congratulations, like you guys are are clearly killing it. Uh, and I, I notice that you're public, also. I might have to pick up a few shares. Um, we are absolutely. That's awesome. Cool. Well. Uh, I'm curious. I know it's it's not all wine and roses, right? What are some of the big challenges that you're struggling with now? 
Well, you know, what, what keeps me up at night is the ability to grow efficiently in that scale. And it's a challenge, of course. And uh, I'm sure many marketers who are listening will echo that challenge. When you transform from a startup, you go IPO, which was the case for, for Amplitude uh, not long ago, um, about two years ago. And now you want to grow and reach a billion dollar plus. That's another chapter. That's another stage of evolution of the company. And it doesn't go easy because what made you successful all the way to IPO doesn't mean is what's going to make you successful for the next chapter. So we had to go through some significant uh, changes. Um, I would say candidly, I think uh, we have a lot of work to do on our systems and processes, mostly to just really help us grow and scale and, yeah. and, and just really review all of our uh, tech, think about the same thing that our clients think about, consolidation, getting more efficient, scale fast, but in a way that is um, effective, that is really good also as an experience for employees. And that is what keeps me up at night, making sure that our employees just continue to have a great experience as we transform and, and get more mature as a company. But that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. No, those are, those are two very big and very different challenges, I would say, because a lot of times what's best for efficiency and scale you know, may be completely at odds with like what employees like or want. That is true. I would say that what, what you can see sometimes, and I've, I've seen that in different companies I work for, is you are a startup, you get really energized by the amount of creativity, the innovation that, that's happening. Yeah. And in, in that sector, Amplitude is a formidable engine of innovation. I am absolutely impressed by the speed at which uh, our uh, product and engineering teams innovate. It's incredible. I've never seen yeah. that before. They just, innovation is their DNA. And for good reasons, they want to create products, and that's what we do for a living, and we offer uh, insights and, and analytics for product teams. So, of course, that's important, but creativity is really at the core, right? Um, yeah. And, and you move fast, and you innovate, you iterate, you experiment, you keep doing this, and it's fun, and it's exciting. But then you start realizing the pains of having to scale and grow sustainably for the next phase of evolution of the company. And that is a completely different uh, environment altogether for, for any company who goes through that. And you realize that uh, while your team was growing super fast, the systems and processes were pretty much by departments, and now you need to centralize all of them. And that's work, right? Your data is actually sitting in multiple places in the company, and you want to make sure that you centralize your data. All yeah. those things don't happen overnight, obviously. They happen over time, and it takes a lot to ensure that what I called your plumbing, the behind-the-scenes plumbing and processes and systems are, are flowing nicely, and that they become more and more seamless to become a complement to uh, your, your employee workforce, not a detriment, not something that's going to block them. And that is, um, you know, I would say the transformation that many companies post-IPO have to go through. So you go from high focus on creativity and speed to 
high focus on structure and scale. You still are a creative company, but you have to balance also the needs of uh, uh, the business at that juncture and, and build for scale. hundred percent. Now I'm confident you can do it. I'm confident you can pull it off. I think you're an incredibly talented marketer. Uh, Amplitude is lucky to have you. I've been inspired here. I've got like a hundred other questions and ideas for you. I wish this were two hours long, uh, but I want to be sensitive to your time. Uh, do you want to do lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So question number one is, if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? I would open a luxury ranch for dogs. Awesome. I love that. Talk about a niche, right? <laughs> That's creative. It's different. <laughs> How are you going to productize sure. it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. Cool. No, I love that. I have never had that answer, but I, I do like it. All right. Question number two is top three books, authors, thought leaders, influencers, podcasts even, uh, that have made an impact in your life. Simon Sinek, Stop With Why. Mm-hmm. Love it. Really great. We had a chance to have him also at SAP live in person. He was introducing his next book. He's just He's just incredible. So him... The Enneagram by Helen Palmer. It's a book I have on my uh, office desk, never leaves me. And it's really important to understand who you talk to, how to work with people. And the last person I think is Patrick Lancioni, is uh, someone many people in the business world know for his books on the advantage, the five dysfunctions of a team. I have found his work to be extremely useful as you build and ramp teams. Awesome. Yeah, I'm familiar with Simon and Patrick, but I'll have to check out the angiogram. That sounds really interesting. Uh, Very cool. And then question number three is, uh, how do you avoid burnout and how do you help your team also to avoid burnout? So how I avoid burnout is a lot of uh, outdoor activities and movements. So I am, I don't know if I can say it's free advertisement, but I'm a huge F45 fan. I discovered it and I go almost every day and this keeps me sane. Uh, it's just just something that I absolutely love doing. I do lots of walks. And for my team, I will tell you, I never say no to vacation ever. Mm-hmm. It's, it really takes a lot for me to say no. I mean, unless there's really a conflict there, but I really encourage the teams to take some time off. And in fact, last year, we um, did something special uh, across the month of August. We called it August Light, and we made every Friday uh, off to help the team go through their vacation summer, uh, handle their children at home. It was, it was a very great time for the teams to take um, a well-deserved uh, little break. And uh, yeah, I, I want to continue to provide that um, experience for employees. They work hard. But I think they deserve the time to breathe and and recharge. Love that. Love that. August light. I might have to try it. Well, thank you so much, Tiffin. I have really enjoyed this. For everybody that's listening, if you enjoyed this too, or if you learned anything today, why not share this with a friend or drop us a five-star review wherever you get your pod? We do appreciate that. Uh, And Tiffin, for folks that are listening that would like to learn more about you or Amplitude, where would you direct them? LinkedIn. You can find me at Tiffin Denaquan, and I will be happy to answer any of your questions. 
Perfect. All right. Well, stay on the line just one second. We will wrap up for everybody else. That was another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.